the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. What he's saying is, don't do what I did. Enjoy life while you're young, but don't do what I did. Don't pursue pleasure to the exclusion of God. Pursue God, and then you will understand how fulfilling life can really be. That's what he's trying to say here. It's like, enjoy life when you're young. Yeah, but God's going to judge you at the end. So make sure you're really pursuing him, because in him you'll have real enjoyment and satisfaction in life. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ecclesiastes. When Solomon came to the end of his life, he looked back knowing that it was good to enjoy things, but realizing it's more important to enjoy them in a manner which God would approve. Pastor Gary teaches us today that God did not set rules to make us miserable. Instead, God, as the Creator, knows what is the best way for us to get the most out of this life. He gives us rules so that we may achieve the best experience possible. Pursue God and you will experience a life with minimal regret, maximum joy, and much fruit. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 with part one of his message, A Fulfilled Life. Well, we come now to the epilogue of the book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon summarizes all his observations about life and God into a final conclusion. Now, before we can really unpack this final conclusion, for the sake of those of you who are just now joining us or recently joined us in the study of Ecclesiastes, let me just kind of give the quick backdrop before we can appreciate the, the, the epilogue to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes is uh, a journal of an old king, King Solomon, who was the third king of Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem around the years 950 to 935 BC, so almost 3,000 years ago. And uh, when Solomon became king of Israel, he was very young. Most Bible scholars believe he was about 17 or 18 years of age when he became king following the death of his father David. Josephus, the first century historian, actually gives him a younger age of the age of 14. Regardless, he's young. He barely has his driver's license, and now he's in charge of the most powerful kingdom on the planet. And so he prays to God and asks for wisdom. And because he didn't ask for selfish things, God gives him wisdom and so much more. In the early part of Solomon's life, he uses the wisdom that God gave him, and he uses it well. 
and he writes the book of Proverbs. But later on in his life, he squanders that wisdom, largely due to the influence of his pagan wives. He has 700 pagan wives and 300 concubines who are also pagan. Uh, And then, by the way, I don't know if you know this, later he'll join Willie Nelson and write a song (laughs) to all the pagan girls I loved before who traveled in and out my palace door. I learned their pagan ways. They left me in a daze to all the pagan girls I loved before. Oh, on it goes. Anyway, it was a real hit back in the day. (laughs) But the pagan women that he married and fell in love with or lusted after turned, the Bible says, turned his heart really away from God towards false gods. As a result, late in his life, he's not in a good place in his relationship with God, and he trades the wisdom of God for the folly of man. And he trades a relationship with God for an adventure, a journey of trying to find fulfillment without God. And so he tries to find fulfillment in the four W's, wine, women, work, and wealth. But all those things turned out to be empty experiences for him. Sure, sin is fun for a season. He had a good time for a little while. But at the end of his days, he realized all those things that I thought would bring fulfillment, success, uh, satisfaction in my life ended up really being meaningless without God in the equation. And that's why 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, he uses the word meaningless. Some of your translations say vanity. It's a Hebrew word, hevel, meaning mist, vapor, or smoke, because he's basically making the point throughout this whole book that life without God is a life without substance. It's like trying to grasp smoke. There's no substance there. And so he came to that painful conclusion. And by the way, that is the painful conclusion that a lot of people in life have come to. You've tried everything. You have searched for happiness, fulfillment, and satisfaction in just about everything. But you haven't found it because you haven't found the Lord. And until you surrender your life to him, you're going to be on this miserable journey of grabbing at this, grabbing at that, grabbing at something else to try to bring satisfaction to your life. But it's like vapor. It's like mist. It's like smoke. It's meaningless without God. Good news is that it appears at the end of Solomon's life, he comes full circle back to God. Now, Bible scholars are divided on this, how you interpret the last part of chapter 12, the epilogue of this book. But I believe that by the way that Solomon writes, he's not just writing something theoretical, he's writing something experiential. He comes to the place where he realizes that there are things in life that just don't provide the real fulfillment and meaning like a relationship with God. And that he comes full circle and he writes in his concluding remarks here about the most important thing. He summarizes everything. He makes final observations about life and God. And he says, all right, I've come to the conclusion. Here's the full duty of man. There's a few things that you need to realize about life. Take it from a guy. This is basically what Solomon says. Take it from a guy who's done this, done that, experienced everything, was the wealthiest man on the planet at the time, most powerful man, uh, man on the planet at the time. And, and I got the t-shirt to prove it all. And yet I was empty without God. So I've come to some conclusion. Conclusion, and it appears to me that he comes full circle. I'm giving Solomon the benefit of the doubt. Again, some Bible scholars are, would disagree with me on this, but I, I think that when you read the conclusion, Solomon comes full circle and comes back to God, which is an important conclusion because that also is the story of a lot of people. Not only have a lot of people realized how meaningless an empty life is when they try to find fulfillment apart from God, 
but that they can come to God and get right with God and find the fullness of life in knowing Him. And that's, I think, how Solomon ends this book. Now, before we read his final conclusion in the last few verses of chapter 12, I want to first draw your attention to the last few verses of chapter 11, because in chapter 11, he has some parting advice to young people. And the point that he's going to make here at the end of chapter 11 to young people is this. Enjoy life while you're young because you're going to get old and die. (laughs) That's what he really says here. Now, you know, and again, look, things haven't changed in 3,000 years. He's saying to young people, wake up. I know this is hard for you to imagine, but you're going to grow old and die one day. And I know the same is true today for the teenagers and 20-something in the house. I know it seems very foreign to you, the concept that you're going to grow old, but if you live long enough, you will. And it'll creep, on, it'll creep up on you like an old pair of underwear. I mean, it will. It will. And you, you will suddenly begin to realize, I'm not young anymore. And from a guy who's not young anymore, I'm a grandpa twice over now, okay? I, I know. It, it happens. All right? Your mind is not quite as sharp as it used to be. Yeah, I don't need a show of hands, but I can tell you, there's plenty of people in this room who would testify they couldn't find their car in the parking lot, and so they used their alarm on their key fob to find it. Am I right? That's true. I know you don't want to admit it, but you're out in the parking lot. Where, where in the world did I park my car? Beep, beep. Oh, there it is. It happens. You get old. You start to forget things. You repeat yourself. You forget things. <laughs> you repeat yourself. And physically, things start to break down. I, I've traded my six-pack abs for two-liter abs. <laughs> I've got more rolls in a bakery now. I boarded a plane the other day, and I asked the flight attendant, can you tell me where my seat is? She looked at me and said, about three inches lower than where it was last year. Go with me. Come on. I barked at her for that response, and then she shoved me into an overhead compartment. And uh, I... Too soon? Is that too soon? All right. Just remember, I'm old, so just dismiss me. Well, Solomon then throws a curveball to the young people after he says, hey, enjoy life while you're young. Look here, chapter 11, verse 9. Chapter 11, verse 9, be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, and then here's the curveball, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. (laughs) Yeah, that's how he ends it. He's like, hey, young people, listen up. Listen to an old guy. Enjoy life. Do whatever your heart wants. But by the way, God's going to judge you. Have a good day. And what he's really trying to express through that is enjoy life while you're young, while you're able, and don't do what I did. That's really what he's saying here. What he's saying is, don't do what I did. Enjoy life while you're young, but don't do what I did. Don't pursue pleasure to the exclusion of God. Pursue God 
and then you will understand how fulfilling life can really be. That's what he's trying to say here. It's like, enjoy life when you're young. Yeah, but God's going to judge you at the end. So make sure you're really pursuing him because in him you'll have real enjoyment and satisfaction in life. Now, look, that's, that's not just Christianese. I know some people can say, well, you know, Pastor G, that's what we would expect you to say. You're a pastor, so if you really pursue God and you'll really enjoy life to its fullest, that's not Christianese, friends. I can tell you, I've talked to enough people. I've seen the hurt, the shame, the guilt in people's lives when they try to live life apart from doing life God's way. You know, take just the topic of sex, for example. When you pursue God, you understand pursuing God means doing things God's way. Well, God says in Scripture that he gave sex as a wonderful gift to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. That's it. All right? And when you experience it the way God designed it, you will experience it in the fullest way possible. But when instead you decide you're smarter than God, and nobody actually says that, but they prove it by the way they live, If you think you're smarter than God, I'm just going to go ahead and sleep with my boyfriend. I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend. I'm going to cheat on my wife. I'm going to cheat on my husband. I'm going to watch porn. I'm going to do the way I want to do it. I can tell you the number of people that I've ministered to over the years who in response to that have been left with shame and guilt and regret, disease, unplanned pregnancies, sorrow, betrayal. I mean, the list goes on. So it's not just Christianese. What we're saying is, when you live life the way God designed it, it goes better for you. It just does. And when you decide you're smarter than God and you want to live life the way you jolly well want, it won't go as well for you. It'll be more miserable. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And by the way, even in that example of the right way or the wrong way to use the gift of sex that God has given, even... In using it the wrong way, there's forgiveness. Jesus died for that on a cross, okay? There's forgiveness for all of that. But, but why would you want to incur the difficulty by willingly violate God's way? Why not prevent the heartache? Why not enjoy life to its fullest when we enjoy life God's intended way? So, Solomon is like here in in chapter 11 and 12, he's like, hey, enjoy life to its fullest while you're still young and able. And the way to do that is this, chapter 12, verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. The title of my message today is Keys to a Fulfilling Life keys to a fulfilling life. Because that's the conclusion that Solomon's going to come to. He's like, I've I've tried everything, and now I realize that the only way to have a fulfilling life is, is to live my life in some simple ways. And he gives us three imperatives here in chapter 12. This is the first one. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. Now, I love the way that Solomon intentionally refers to God as creator. Of all the hundreds of names and titles for God in the Bible, he chooses the word creator. He's purposeful about this. He's saying not just to the young people, although that's the context, but he's saying to all of us, here's some good advice. You want to have a fulfilling life? Remember your creator. You You know the one who spoke the universe into existence? That one. You know the one who flung the stars into outer space and calls them each by name? That one. The one who controls the seas 
and the winds, that one. The one who says to ocean waves, you can come this far and no farther, that's the one I want you to remember, Creator God. Because that's the one who is ruler and sovereign and powerful over everything and everyone. I want you to remember Creator God. He's using a title for God because God is powerful and majestic and mighty and sovereign. He's Creator. Solomon says, remember Creator God. I think he learned a good lesson in this regard from his own father. Because David would write in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. David would say, when I consider your heavens, Lord... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place. What is man that you were mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Solomon's father, David, would say, when I consider creation and the creator behind creation, man, it makes me realize just how small I am. But in my insignificance, I'm not insignificant to God. What is man that you, Lord, you, Creator, are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? David writes in that passage in Psalm 8, 3, and 4 about Creator God, who was the one who is the creator of universe, creator of all things. And yet that Creator God cares about you, loves you, sent his son to die for you. Solomon says, I want you to remember that God. I want you to remember Creator God who holds the universe in place in the palm of His hand. That's the same Creator God who's going to hold your life together in the palm of His hand. Remember Creator God. And remembering Creator God means that you basically, that you lead a God-focused, God-surrendered life. That's what he's saying. Creator God on the throne, Creator God over all the universe, Creator God over my life that we are to lead a God-focused, God-surrendered life. And then Solomon goes on here in chapter 12 to give a very colorful and poetic description of aging. It's a very poetic description of aging. Again, for you young people, this is, this is something you have to look forward to. And so I'm going I'm to go through chapter 12. I'm going to kind of just translate the poetry because, again, it, this is a very colorful description uh, of aging. So here in chapter 12, verse 1, remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Translation, he says, remember your Creator God before the lights go out and before the, the gloomy season of life sets in. Verse 3 says, when the keepers of the house tremble, Talking about your arms and strong men stoop. Talking about your shoulders. He says, before you get weak arms and stooped shoulders, remember Creator God. When the grinders cease because they are few. Talking about your teeth. He says, at some point you're going to lose a few teeth. Remember Creator God before your grinders cease and they are few. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Talking about dimmed eyesight. Verse 4, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, talking about your mouth is closed, you lose your appetite. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, talking about when you become hard of hearing. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, the older you get, you tend to become a little more fearful about things. He says, when the almond tree blossoms 
You ever seen an almond tree in full blossom? It's like snow white. So it's a, it's a euphemism for white hair. And then, and then I love this. Rest of verse 5. And the grasshopper drags himself along. Grasshopper with like bent knees. Talk about bent knees just kind of dragging yourself along. You can eventually become like that when we age. And desire no longer stirred. Talks about decreased libido the older you get. He says, the man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Then you die and people mourn your death. Verse 6, remember him. He says it again, remember creator God. Before the silver cord is severed. Again, that's poetry for the spinal cord. Or the golden bowl is broken. That's poetry for your skull. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. The pitcher is what draws something. It's talking about your lungs. Or the wheel broken at the well. The wheel's a poetic term for the heart that pumps, that pumps the well, that pumps the blood. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. He says, you've got to remember God in all this, because if you just live life and go from your youth to your autumn years and just die, what a life that has no substance. Remember Creator God. And then Solomon comes to this conclusion about everything with two more imperatives for all of us, young and old. Look now at the final few verses of chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So he gives us two more imperatives here. Number one was remember God, but now here his concluding remarks in verse 13 is fear God. Fear God. Now a lot of people over the years have asked me, what does that really mean to fear God, to fear the Lord? And one of the best passages, I think, in the Bible that helps us to understand this is found actually in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus chapter 20. Now, before I quote the verse, let me set the scene. In Exodus chapter 20, this is the chapter where Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments from God. But the Bible tells us in Exodus 19 and 20 that God has revealed himself in very awesome, spectacular ways on Mount Sinai through lightning, thunder, smoke, fire. The earth is trembling. And the Israelites are at the base camp, at the, at the base of Mount Sinai, and Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and they're afraid. It says literally that they are afraid of God because of the sights and the sounds, the smoke and the, the trembling ground and the fire and the lightning and just all of this. And Moses then says to them this in Exodus 20, verse 20. He said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. All right, now wait a minute. It almost sounds like a contradiction in the same verse. Moses says, don't be afraid of God. I want you to fear God so that you won't sin. Well, which is it? Is it don't be afraid of God or is it fear God, Moses? Yes. So here's the deal. 
A healthy fear of God depends on a healthy view of God. If you don't have the right view of God, you won't understand the right way to fear God. Though the book of Ecclesiastes views the world through human eyes, the authority of God cannot be denied. True, the world is in chaos, but God is still in control. There is hate, but there's also love. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can continue to strive to offer hope to the people around us. Today, we pray you've been encouraged in your faith. We'd love to pray for you as well. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Be sure to join Pastor Gary next time to continue studying verse by verse through this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to listen to Cornerstone Connection on our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find a link to our mobile app. Take Pastor Gary's teachings with you on the go and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can even send us prayer requests or join us live for our weekly services at Cornerstone Chapel. Find a link to our app under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time with you is quickly drawing to a close today. We're so glad you tuned in for Pastor Gary's teaching in the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us next time to dive back into God's Word right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.